Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about true crime. It's the genre that launched a million podcasts, endlessly, morbidly fascinating. And while you might be more familiar with Nordic Noir, today we're dealing with a case a bit closer to home. A burnt out car with human remains, a love triangle with deadly consequences. It's known here as El Crime de la Guardia Urbana, the crime of the local Barcelona police. And it's just been given the Netflix treatment. Coming up today, we'll hear from Ursula Corbero and Kim Gutierrez, the two lead actors in Burning Body, the name of this eight-part dramatisation. And we'll also hear from Anna Punzi from the production company behind Crimes, or Crimes, Catalonia's favourite true crime podcast and television series. I'm delighted to be joined today by Emma Munros. Hello, Emma. Hi. And for the first time, Leah Believa. Hi. You're very welcome, Leah. So what is it about true crime, Emma? Why do we love it so much? I mean, I can speak for everyone, but I personally like that you have to kind of become like an investigator to kind of see how the episodes or the books develop and and how the crime turns out. And I'm also fascinated by it because it makes you wonder what truly goes on in someone's mind to actually commit a murder and to end someone's life. That fascinates me. Maybe it can sound creepy, but it's not like I want to do it. I'm just interested on on the sociological facts of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Leah? Emma, who knows about true crime fan, what about you? Yeah, I'm not uh, really that much into true crime, I have to admit. Uh, but uh, I did uh, do some research uh, before doing uh, this uh, episode. And uh, what I found out is is that, uh, in general, uh, what Emma says is, uh, is a general uh, tendency. Um, so people, the people who want or follow a true crime, what pulls them in is to solve a puzzle and to find something novel, something exciting. And that combination, it actually can give us, uh, as humans, it can give us some sort of an adrenaline rush. And then the thing about true crime is that um, we can piece it together, but we can stay in our a safe environment so we're not we're not in danger ourselves <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny you mentioned the adrenaline rush because i watched a few episodes late last night and then i couldn't go to bed me and my partner were like well we're gonna just talk about the episodes now because like you know it was get it was late but it was like you're so hyped up from watching yeah. them you know so wouldn't recommend it as late night viewing but i guess that's when we end up yeah. usually sitting down in front of the tv and stuck in i cannot like watch it if i'm home alone like no. someone has to be there right. <laughs> Uh, so this month, Burning Body is out uh, on Netflix. El Cuerpo en Llamas, it's called in Spanish, uh, which literally means the body in flames. But also there's kind of a double meaning there, Emma. Yeah, because Cuerpo in Spanish is El Cuerpo Policial, so the, the police, police team. Body. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't say body, but that word in Spanish works, so it's kind of a double meaning. Exactly. Uh, because it obviously features several police officers. Countless police officers are, are involved in it, but yeah, the, the, one of them gets murdered and, and all the suspects are police officers as exactly. well. Also out on the same day is a documentary about the same case. So we've got a dramatization, eight-part series, and a documentary film as well. That's called Rosa Peral's Tapes, Rosa Peral being one of the main protagonists. I'll not say too much about that uh, to avoid spoilers. 
But suffice to say, both incredibly popular. Uh, when I logged on to Netflix last night, the series was the number one series in Spain and the documentary was the number one film in Spain. Not even, you know, of any genre of film. But Leah, it's not the first time that this particular case, the Guardia Urbana crime, has featured in popular culture. No, actually, uh, it came out for the first time uh, in uh, in Krims in 2021 uh, on TV3, and it was a four-part special giving four different perspectives on this crime. It's a fascinating view. I, I've watched it myself, and we'll be hearing a little bit more about Krims later on. Krims Crimes, it's like this really popular pro- program here in Catalonia. Yeah. But back to the Netflix show, Burning Body, and we're going to hear now from the two main actors, uh, two very well-known actors as well, Emma. Exactly. Uh, so the show stars Ursula Corbero, which you may know from Money Haste. She played Tokyo. Uh, and then also Kim Gutierrez, which is very known in Catalonia and Spain, maybe not internationally as Ursula Corbero, but if you've seen any film, any Spanish film, you've most likely seen him. And obviously it's based on a true story, but they've got a little bit of creative license to do what they want as well. And the two actors had some interesting insights in how they prepared for the role. Ursula Corbero and Kim Gutierrez are the two Catalan actors that star in El Cuerpo en Llamas, a Netflix show which mixes fiction and reality and explains the Guardia Urbana case. A murder that occurred within the Guardia Urbana police of Barcelona, which mixes love, passion and crime. Ursula Curbero and Kim Gutierrez play Rosa Peral and Albert López, the two police officers and lovers, on trial for the murder of their colleague and Rosa's fiancé, Pedro Rodríguez, played by José Manuel Poga. When preparing for a role, every actor has their methods, but in this case it was not a completely fictional character. Most elements of the show are real and the actors had references of how their characters behaved, spoke and moved in real life. Let's hear how both of them worked on their character. Jo vaig veure tot, vaig veure Crims, m'he llegit el llibre que va escriure Albert López a la presó. I saw Crims, I read the book that Albert López wrote in prison, and with all this material, which we could say is parallel to reality, you come up with a fiction to fill all the gaps in the story, because there are more gaps than not. This was difficult, but also the appealing part too, because the facts we know were not enough to understand why, at the end of the day, and with all of the options they had, why their own only possible solution was the death of another police officer, the murder of another police officer. Why did two people who are not sociopaths think that this was the only viable solution? There were a lot of biographical gaps that had to be filled. I found it fascinating to have all this material. You usually don't have the opportunity to see the characters you are playing, and it was very tempting, but at the same time, you're not making a documentary or copying them. It's always fiction, right? So for me, this led to an interesting internal debate, sometimes even haunting. I wanted to get as close to real life as possible. The opposite kind of happened to me. Maybe it didn't happen so much with Albert, but with Rosa I realized that everyone thought they had the right to say something about her. And then I realized that as I was filming and shooting new scenes, there were some where all of a sudden I'd get answers to questions I'd been asking myself for months. 
That's never happened to me before with the character. Usually when I create a character, I like to do some prior work before the shoot, but I really felt that I don't know, I let myself get a bit carried away in the sense. Because of this very real story, not only was it hard to prepare for the character, but the story in general, and how it is told and the show is scripted. I think we've managed to make a series that was a challenge from the beginning. It was very difficult. I think the series is how I imagined it would be. I was worried that maybe it seemed too much like a soap opera, something too sensationalist or sexualized or morbid. I had many fears at the very beginning of the project and I had many discussions because there were things that I had to clarify in my own mind to know what I was getting myself into. I think that, considering the amount of information that had to be explained, it was really hard to give it precisely and cautiously so as not to reveal too much, while also giving all of the information that we had to give. And now, re-watching the show, I think that Laura Sarmiento's work constructing the story is spectacular, very brilliant. On top of that, each episode has its own identity. That was Ursula Corbero and Kim Gutierrez. Well, what do you think, Emma? Did they succeed in playing these characters who are real people and real people that you know we've seen in other documentaries and stuff? I think they did a good job. Ursula, she's she's really magnetic, and they say that Rosa Peral in real life is also like that. In general, I think the series is quite long. Not eight episodes were needed, but the characters, I think they do a really good job. And if you already know the story, which you already did, everyone in Spain knows this story. Like it was a huge media frenzy when the actual events happened back in 2017 and then when the court case happened in 2020. But even knowing all that, is it still worth watching, even if you know what's going to happen at the end? I mean, I am a true crime fan, (laughs) so I've obviously watched it. But yeah, I think it provides some insights. Obviously, they're fictional because we don't really know what the actual people were thinking when they did that but if you want to fill some gaps and let your imagination flow a little bit on the why you can watch it Mm. well that's out on netflix now burning body and also the rosa peral tapes and um creams which we mentioned earlier Leia as well is a hugely popular series here in catalonia Yeah, actually, when the latest season aired, uh, the season four, uh, the first episode, more than one million people, they tuned in to at least a part of the season. So a huge success. I mean, put that in a bit of context. Catalonia has what? 7.5 million. Yeah, nearly. I mean, that's that's a lot of people sitting down on a a Monday night to watch the show. It's a bit of a tradition, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I have friends who just meet up on Monday night to watch just the episode. Me, at home, I do it myself with my mom and my sister. It's like we expect, we're expecting it all day just to be on the sofa watching. I think it's kind of nice on a Monday, you know, you're back to school or university or, or work or whatever, and you've got something to look forward to that evening. And even when you're studying journalism, you've studied creams as well. Yeah, in class, we talk about it um, more the production part of the TV show and how it's done, and also about the ethics of actually 
explaining the crimes and all of that. So it's um, something that it's really talked about a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, the production value, you mentioned the production. Production value is incredible. Like, you know, it's really well shot. And I find it fascinating what they do with the material and actually how much material there is nowadays, you know, because we've all got so many photos on our phone, videos, uh, audio, voice notes, messages. And so when you're coming to put together, there's, well, for the police, there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of material. And if you're making a true crime film about it as well, you've got a lot of material to show us there. It's a scary amount of material. And even the fact that your phone is tracked everywhere you go. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely impossible to commit a crime these days uh, when <laughs> the police is tracking or the, the phone is being tracked at all times. <laughs> that's what we've learned. Leah, you caught up with Anna Punsi, who works for the, one of the production companies behind Creams. And yes, yeah, she says it's just grown and grown. Yes, it started as a 30 minute podcast. Then that became too small and it evolved into a one hour podcast. And then that even became too small. So they made it into a whole TV series. I like the way they do the TV series, though. It's, it kind of harks back to the podcast because we've got the presenter, Carlos Porta, who... He is a very charismatic uh, person who introduces it. Uh, if you watch the TV show, you can see that he sits in front of the microphone as if he, he, he was in the, the radio studio. Yeah, it makes it quite intimate as well, I find. Yeah. Emma sitting yeah. smiling, like just thinking, yeah. oh, I can't wait to watch another episode. Well, it's incredibly successful, as we said. And if you count all the downloads of podcasts, all the episodes, over 46 million views, downloads, listens. So here is Anna Punsi. And we just mentioned Carlos Porta there. And uh, she agrees he is one of the reasons behind the success of this show. A lot of the time, Carlos Porta says that he has turned into some sort of pop culture icon because he, as a person, really pulls in a lot of people. He has a lot of charisma, he speaks and narrates very well, and he has very special voice. And he's a great narrator, which I think gets you hooked. According to Anna Punsi, content director at the production company True Crime Factory, another reason why the show is so successful is that it's built around the testimonies of the victims or their relatives instead of a panel of experts. This awakens our inner detective and makes us as viewers empathize with the story and the protagonists. I think that all of us have an inner detective that wants to investigate and know and find out more. And this also leads us to take part in the story and to empathize. We have more and more victims and relatives of the victims taking part in our programs. And I think that makes the respect surrounding the program grow even more. And it gives it something extra. It also creates an extra level of empathy towards these people and what they went through. And what life has been like for those people who have had to deal with this tragedy. Anna underlines the importance of being respectful towards the victims and their relatives when making the program. The main premise is always to try to do it with the maximum of respect. Carlos always says that we have to imagine the person to be someone close to us and then try to not show too much blood. I mean, everything that you can show in a more elegant or respectful way will always work in our favor. This means not relying on bloody scenes, but instead showing real footage, such as photos, videos or close-ups, or made-up scenes such as aerial nature shots or close-ups of objects that have a symbolic meaning for the story. 
ens interessa l'entorn. What interests us are the surroundings. If the drawers have been messed up, or the fingerprints that have showed up, or the slippers that have a blood stain, but not that the victim is lying flat on the ground. If you show a little part, you try to cut the frame of it and show a part of the bed, a hand, or something that clearly shows that a crime has been committed and that what has happened is real, but without showing too much blood. Blood gets everything dirty, and it doesn't bring anything to the image. So we try to find symbols, and we choose them according to the story. In the beginning of September of this year, Netflix released a new series called El Cuerpo en Llamas, starring money heist actress Ursula Curbero y Kim Gutiérrez. The series is based on the so-called Guardia Urbana crime, which was part of the second season of Crimes. According to Ana Punsi, the main difference between the Netflix series and Crimes is that one is non-fiction and has to stay true to the facts, while the other can take a lot of creative liberties in order to create a good story. We're talking about two super different worlds, especially when we're talking about fiction and non-fiction. Fiction allows the freedom to create whatever you want. But in a non-fiction product, there's a limit, which is that you can go into the lives and minds of the people. In fiction, you can create a dramatic scene, an interpretation, and recreate situations that, when you only have real life, you can't. Anna Punzi there, or thanks to her. I love the way she talks about the inner detective, because that... That sums it up. You already mentioned it yeah. at the start, Emma, but that feeling of as soon as an episode ends, if you're watching it with someone else, which is advisable if possible, you keep, like I find myself going, did you believe that? Did you see what she said there? But he 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 had that. He had already said in your 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 you are you're putting yourself in the detective shoes or in the jury shoes as to, you know, how you might uh, piece it all together. No? Yeah, when I when I watched it, because I did, in fact, watch these episodes on La Guardia Urbana. Um, we actually paused it at home <laughs> from time to time to see if we had we had understood everything correctly and was it said right. So uh, so it is really you activate your inner di- detective, yeah. as she yeah. says. We heard Anna's thoughts then on the new Netflix series that's come out. But what about the documentary? Did she say anything about that? Yeah, actually, she also saw uh, the new documentary. But um, her criticism of this new documentary was that it was very biased um, and journalistically it didn't have uh, a very high value um, which is a general uh, criticism that this new documentary has received. The other kind of controversy about it is the fact that there was talk of payments going to certain people involved in the case but a judge has uh, put an end to that because you know basically it's insulting to the victim and and, uh, if, if that had have happened. And I just mentioned victims and one of the things about true crime, one of the kind of issues around it, Leah, is this concept of re-victimization. Like, do victims themselves or families have to relive exactly. this? And is that fair? Yeah, that's usually a, a conversation that uh, that that you can have when you talk about true crime. Uh, and Anna also talked about it. But uh, from her perspective and her experience uh, doing this show is that actually many of the victims are interested and willing to participate in the program because it sometimes brings new light uh, onto the crime or the case has gone cold and with the help of the the media attention and and the program, well, it comes back uh, to life. And you can talk about the victims in a different perspective. 
and this has actually happened in some cases with creams, Emma. Yeah, one of the cases that I find most interesting is one about called La Noia de Porvo. So the the girl in Port Beau. Yeah, which, which is, is a, right up on the border with exactly, um, which is a girl that appeared hung in a tree, um, and no one knew who she was, and through the investigation in crimes, together with another uh, true crime program, they found out who she was, and that her family was trying to find her since she disappeared back in Italy. Wow. So I think that, as Leah said, it can also bring good things to the family and to the case. Well, we've talked about podcasts, we've talked about TV series, documentaries, but of course, true crime is also very popular in book form as well. Carlos Porta, who is the presenter of Creams, uh, he releases a book, I think, for every series, Emma. I don't know if you know. Maybe you've got the collection at home. <laughs> no, I don't have the books, but some of my friends do, and I've read them. And it's not exactly every season, but some of the most interesting cases, for example, Porvo, and also one about a pharmacist. So if you want to read into that. Okay. Uh, I think his latest one was Grands Pecats. So like big sins, major sins. I don't know how you would translate that. And it was actually on St. Jordi, which regular listeners will know, or if you live in Catalonia, you will know this is when everyone buys books for friends and loved ones. Uh, it was the second most sold nonfiction book in Catalan this year. And if we look as well, okay, it's not quite true crime, but uh, crime novels and thrillers as well are just, you know, always so popular. Yeah, and this year for, for San Jordi, the best-selling book in Spanish was Eva García Sáenz de Urturi's fiction thriller Ángel de la Ciudad. The Premio Planeta, Emma, is a huge literary prize in Catalonia. And in recent years as well, there's been thrillers that have won the prize as well. Exactly. In 2021, Carmen Mola, which is actually three men that use the pseudonym Carmen Mola, um, they wrote La Bestia, which is a thriller, and it won the Premio Planeta. And in previous years, also other thrillers have won this prize. So if you want to check out the programs that we mentioned, the Netflix ones are obviously available on Netflix. TV3, TV3 uh, also has all the episodes of Creams available to watch online. And uh, yeah, if you're in Barcelona and you're into thrillers and crime novels, we've got Barcelona Negra, a literary festival that takes place every year in February. So get along to that. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Emma? For this week, we chose La Realidad Supera La Ficción. Do you want to guess? Uh, I guess in English you would say reality is stranger than fiction. Yeah, I guess you could translate to that. But literally, it would mean that reality surpasses fiction. And I think that with this case, we can see that because we think that if you try to write the Guardia Urbana Cream, you could not You would it. not be able to publish it. It would be too ridiculous, too over the top, <laughs> yes. and too unbelievable. Don't la realidad supera la ficción. That's us for today. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you to everyone who spoke to us for this week's podcast. And thanks to you, Leah and Emma. Thank, Thank you. you. We're back again next weekend with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu.